high corn. So, so um, I'm uh, ready to go here, and uh, Dan, you can you can take it away and and share with okay. us uh, some of your thoughts. All right, and uh, <clears throat> uh, appreciate everybody being on. Uh, I'm going to share with you what I know, and you're also going to hear some things, some questions that I have. But, you know, I was introduced to the concept of inter interceding about five years ago. I uh, got, got to know an agronomist up in Quebec, and they were having some good success with it. And uh, part of the work I do is uh, uh, Oregon Ryegrass Commission is one of my clients, so I was very interested in it. And I went up there for four years, you know, because I've been trained. You can't have anything competing with the corn. It'll take the moisture or take the nitrogen. And I kept waiting for them to crash and burn. And finally, I said, you know, there's something to this. And and. And they were um, doing the last cultivation in the corn, and they were throwing uh, a legume seed out behind them. So, you know, it's not really new. It's 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 just that uh, <clears throat> we've been taught that this this doesn't work. So, anyway, it uh, it certainly does. So. so here are some main things that we're going to talk about with interseeding is the residual herbicides, uh, the cover crop selection, and again, interseeding between V4 and V7. That is kind of the area that seems to work the best, um, and it's we're still trying to figure out the dynamics of that, uh, but the We'll get into that a little bit later, but it's it's the concept is that <clears throat> you need enough light to get the cover crop started. Uh, then the corn shades it, and it basically sits there, uh, so it's not growing. Uh, either top growth or root growth is just sitting there, and then when it starts getting more light, then the cover starts growing. You have better conditions at harvest and you know the cover crop is off to a good start so that's that's the basic premise but this v4 and v7 is we think that that is uh, the the sweet spot if you will okay so again this is fairly new we're still fine-tuning the, the management. This this isn't ready for prime time yet, but there's lots of growers uh, doing this. I spoke at the National No-Till Conference, and we had about 120 growers there at my, my breakout session, and about 50 of them had done at least one year of interceding, and about 40 of them were successful. So it's it's. The concept, I think, is pretty solid of this V4 and V7. One of the things that there's that we're it's just going to take more research, more farmers doing it, uh, sharing their notes, 
and to figure out what are the, the parameters that will determine success or failure. So basically we're seeding about the same seed rate as, as you would after harvest. Uh, you can lower the seed rate if you're using an interseeder drill, if you're broadcasting it, uh, about the same rates. That, that's one we need to investigate, but that, it, so far it, it looks uh, like it's pretty well spot on. Big question that we have is too much shade may cause loss of stand. We, we'll go into that in a little bit later, but we've lost the stand in some plots uh, in August. It just, you know, was it too much shade? Was it, well, it wasn't lack of water because we had some that were irrigated and we still lost it. One of the important things, and again, people think you're providing competition, but basically we have seen no yield drag and occasionally a yield bump. To me, the whole objective is, especially in the northern Corn Belt, is getting different covers started earlier uh, so that when the corn is taken off, it's already got to start and you're going to get a lot more benefits out of the cover crop if it's got more days that it can grow. It also fits in uh, as we get into some of the equipment, I think, as we look at doing things like uh, side dressing and seeding the covers in one trip. So we think that the best fit is in the northern corn belt, but that's, that's based on uh, where most of the activity has taken place. Uh, and we can go in and talk about <clears throat> some of the issues uh, as we move further south, for example. Uh, I think that it, it, the, the, you know, if we're doing, using cool season cover crops, it, you know, the heat of July, August, uh, temperatures may be just too warm. Also, if it's a soil that has uh, limited moisture capacity, it, it could run out of water also. So, but the big thing is, it's, it's kind of like what they call uh, uh, an EMT or a doctor, you know, first rule, do no harm. So that's, that kind of fits here. We don't want to cause a yield drag to get the cover crop established. So again, we think that's in the northern corn belt. Now, where's the northern corn belt? Well, we don't know. We think north of I-80 um, definitely has lots of opportunity, but it may be north of I-70. So that would be like from Indianapolis to St. Louis. Uh, as a southern boundary. Uh, we've had, we've seen more success with corn populations less than 33,000. Uh, we've seen more success where the corn is six to seven feet tall. That 33,000 and six to seven feet tall, if, if we get, if we don't screw up the herbicides, um, that usually works and it when the corn is harvested, we've got the cover crop going. One of the, or a couple of the issues that may cause uh, uh, the issue of losing the stand is the leaf architecture. 
Uh, we think that the upright leaf may help, or the flexier, of course, that growth there is going to be dictated by the, the weather conditions in the soil. Uh, and this is something, you know, our, for the first two years, uh, I wasn't even paying attention to the leaf architecture. Uh, and then another wrinkle that came up, because um, again, it's, we need enough light to get through the canopy down to the cover crop to keep it alive. And, and this is just a question, but, you know, we have some areas that have too many overcast days may further reduce the sunlight. And I just, here in, in central Indiana, we thought last year, uh, going into early July, that we, we were looking at record yields. And but August, we had, the temperatures weren't hot, but we had a lot of overcast days. So we're not getting the full sun potential. And, you know, if you, is it, was it a synergistic effect where we had high population, tall corn, and the overcast days? We lost the stand in, in a couple of plots. And if one of those would have been missing, would it have succeeded? I don't know. So again, we're just trying to, to play the odds. The lower populations and six to seven feet tall, I'm pretty well convinced that we're talking 80% plus success if the right residual herbicides are used. This higher populations, um, upright leaves, these are all fine points of, uh, that may make the difference in some years. Uh, I've had some growers give me pushback. Uh, oh, I don't want an upright leaf. If it, if it turns dry, it's, it's going to use more moisture. I don't know if that's a fact or not, but it, it sounds reasonable. But that's another area I need, need to do more, more research on. OK, so why the northern corn belt? What makes it fit? Well, the corn is generally shorter the further north one goes. The day length is longer. Uh, in July, uh, I checked the difference in day length from Indianapolis to Minneapolis. It's an hour and 10 minutes. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but you take that over the growing season, or at the time when the covers are, are up, it can make it a difference. Also, generally lower high temperatures in the summer. And I know there's there's exceptions to that, but uh, if you look at the extended period of very high temperatures, uh, certainly more in the south. And generally fewer prolonged dry spells in the summer. Uh, the places where I dug uh, in August, I only found the roots down about five inches. Now, I didn't dig in every plot, but it was uh, the ones that I did dig, the top growth and the root growth uh, pretty well mirrored each other. And, you know, if, if the plant is in a, a dormant or semi-dormant state, it, it's got limited energy, so it kind of makes sense that, you know, it's in this pause uh, uh, area of, 
you know, just trying to hang on, trying to survive. You know, it wants sun. Um, so anyway, that's that's the the observations, the, the conclusions that I've come up with. So this picture is Harry Vetch. This was in a flexier hybrid that was about six feet tall. Um, worked very well. It was uh, a couple of weeks later than this. It was uh, the vines were actually starting to climb up the corn plant. Um, Dan was getting pretty nervous on, on, on this one that it's, it's, I mean, we actually talked about, do we need to come in and, and hit it with some 2,4-D? Uh, um, you know, it started blooming. Uh, and uh, basically what we found is it, there's no difference in yield with this. So I think uh, popcorn has worked very well. Uh, and again, not necessarily with hairy vetch, but with some of the other cover crops that we'll get into. I think seed corn is a possibility and silage corn, but I have real concerns because both of those, I mean, we have some a big dairy here, for example, and, you know, they have crews. That's all they do is, is shell the corn, cut the corn silage, transport it out, lots of traffic, semis. Both of them, they go by the calendar regardless of weather conditions. And if we've got a just a young cover crop out there, I, I don't know how much how much uh, traffic that it will be able to take. So again, the upright leaf architecture is one that we definitely want to explore uh, more. But but again, I still think you know if regular uh, architecture, uh, 34,000, we don't have the overcast, you know, maybe that would, it would still make it. And I'm kind of careful who I talk to about interseeding. It's, uh, and this is just a, a, this is not for a beginner. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, one of my rules that I have is uh, I never suggest a farmer to do something if, if he can't sleep at night. And uh, so generally, I've, I've seen it. I'm, I know there'll be exceptions, but the farmer has got more than five years' experience with covers is, is what I think is, uh, and obviously he has a very open mind, willing to try something new. Uh, Okay, residual herbicides. This is, we had a number of failures because guys said, I want to try that. And well, but when time they called in, they had already put down their, their regular herbicides. So we have some who, and I, I hesitate to even say this out loud, but we've had some that have just used two applications of glyphosate and a pre and a post. And that has worked well. Um, Bill Kern at Penn State has probably done more, um, has more good information on this. And this is one though you're going to have to figure out yourself. But if you look at the grass legume, brassica mix, uh, products like Resolve, Bases, Sharpen, again, all of them short residual. Um, 
injury possible. Uh, plots that I've done where we've had atrazine at one pound or less, we have not had any issues. You get over one pound, we've lost the stand. Uh, Outlook, uh, Metribuzin, Harness, Degree, Banville Clarity, Impact, Lotus. Those are just some of the products. And if you're just using the grass, there's other ones that you could add. The same with the legume, uh, Nebraska mix. But I've done enough work on residual herbicides that affect cover crops, either aerial seeding or with a high clearance. Uh, here in Indiana, we, we typically start about August 20th uh, with, with seeding with air or high clearance equipment. And what we've seen is we always, you know, it's, it's got to have either some moisture in the soil and or a, a decent rain afterwards to get a stand. Sometimes we don't get a stand, but typically it comes up and either dies or it remains viable, but it doesn't make it through the winter. And we think it, it's, it's the herbicides and it's, you know, you start looking at this, what's the mode of action? Uh, like the atrazine, less than one pound. Well, yeah, but uh, if that probably won't work if you have a pH greater than 7.5. So you got some of these other aspects. And this, this is definitely, I think, one of the more confusing parts that folks have. Uh, they don't want weeds out there, but it's, uh, uh, and what I observed, and this is, I wasn't even looking for, but where we had the cover crops with, you know, a, especially if we use it as a pre, Typically what it is, you, you, they use one of these as a pre and then come back with uh, Roundup or Liberty, depending on the type of corn that you have with post. Uh, I don't like two applications of glyphosate. That's, it's breaking the rules as far as I'm concerned, as far as uh, uh, potentially developing resistance. And uh, so definitely like multiple modes of action. Um, but again, their rationale was, well, they wanted to make sure that their residual herbicides was not an, not one of the factors that, that caused success or failure. I'm sure these are just some of the products that are available. Uh, I put in here uh, the Penn State's uh, uh, where you can get the document improving the success of interceding cover crop and corn. Uh, again, very readable. Uh, but remember, the, the residual herbicides, you know, 1% organic matter soil, 4% makes a difference. Uh, how much clay is in the soil, the CEC of the soil, all of these factors, uh, uh, rainfall, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very complicated to know uh, what I'm saying is it's, it's herbicide you use could work one year and not the next year and especially where some of those products go back here where injury possible. These are the ones that it's that under normal conditions, however you describe normal conditions, you, you should be able to get by 
but there's always those those exceptions. Okay, so what covers? Well, our initial thinking was it was annual ryegrass is uh, fairly shade tolerant, and but we've had good success with annual ryegrass, crimson clover, red clover, uh, daikon reddish, rapeseed, hairy vetch. Uh, we've had some guys use a mixture. We've had some who use some warm season. And I, I have personally no experience at all with the warm season. Uh, I know one grower in Iowa had good success with cowpea. So, <clears throat> but I want to try some warm season, but it's, again, I want to make, I need to be confident myself. We don't want the cover crop to compete with the corn. And uh, we think that the shade is the key, but uh, uh, as we use other cover crops, it, it's, you know, we need to share information to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So, uh, <coughs> Anybody have any other suggestions on potential cover crops? Now, Steve, you're going to disappoint me if you don't have some others. So well, I'll tell you what, Lauren Steinegg, you just joined. I see, Lauren, I don't know <clears throat> if you want to chime in. I know you weren't here at the beginning, but uh, I know you've done some interceding, so if you want to unmute yourself, and uh, I think it'd be good for us to hear what you're seeing is working. Um, if you're there, if you if you can do that, Lauren, feel free to to pipe up. Um, there you go. Good morning. Hey, Lauren. I, I didn't hear minutes here. I'm here now. We're we're playing electrician, so uh, what's working in West Union, Iowa? I like what I'm seeing out of the vetches. I like what I see out of uh, rape and all that. It, radish is really thriving. Uh, I pulled in your ryegrass out, except for where we're going to go to beans. And uh, clovers is a crapshoot right now. Some years they work, some years they don't. We've been trying about every clover out there. We throw three different clovers every year. <coughs> that for sure. Lauren, tell me, tell me why why not annual ryegrass uh, in front of corn? <coughs> Uh, last year is the first year we actually got it to overwinter since '02, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we've had two mild winters in a row. I think you know last summer it got tall enough where it laid down and the worms took it down. I think it's there this spring, but I'm not sure yet. You know we were just white up until what's today Tuesday. We were white until Saturday again. So. But, One of the yeah, things, man, go ahead. But, no, no, I would say it's, <clears throat> we uh, brought up some good points there. Uh, some of the covers that we've had issues with uh, making it through the winter, one of the things we want to see is getting it off to an earlier start. Uh, you know, it, if that can make a difference and we, we know if we, you know, or we think we know that it's, you know, we've got less residual herbicide that may be weakening the, the plant itself and making it more susceptible to winter kill. Well, so, I, again, I'm, coming back to you, Lauren, because you've had the experience, how soon have you planted? What's your 
What's your preferred uh, seeding date? What stage of corn growth? Uh, pretty much eliminated all residuals except for right on the row. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pushing V4 this year. I might even try some down to V2. Hmm. We might run some at planting yet. I'm not sure. It's all going to depend on the spring. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a gut feel type deal. You go, you, uh, when you think it's right, you go. The, the earlier, the better. Every year we win earlier, I'm happier. Mm -hmm. But uh, we 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 yeah. cannot buy without drilling it anymore. Too is the other option. Okay, and it just happens. I had a phone call from an Iowa grower yesterday who wanted to plant annual ryegrass and corn at the same time. They're I, doing. Uh, they're they're they're. they're I don't know if he's going to do it. I tried to talk him out of it. Uh, I've, I've seen where Quebec tried it at V2. And again, it's all about the, the race for sunlight. The annual ryegrass won the race when he planted it at V2. Uh, you know, when the corn was uh, 14 inches tall, the annual ryegrass was about 20 inches tall. And it it's. I, I think you're in competition then, and if if it if it wins the race, so you don't get the shade, so it it slows the growth down or stops it even. Uh, I my logic, which I could be wrong, I could be wrong. Uh, my logic says it's it's going to be competing then. Well, so, now, some I, of that. now I know for now I know for sure that Lauren's going to try that. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that would come back to well, my question: Be where did he place it? You know, if it was in the corn row, yes. I mean, you know, but I've, I've got row band clean, so I'm not too worried about com competition. You know, we we we've been trying to figure out how to monitor the moisture with clovers, and that we're actually bringing moisture up and sharing with the corn. Right. Well, and I'll, and I'll, I'll just say that that's been a theory that's out. That's been a theory out there, and it comes back to why do we not get yield hits, which everyone expects when we're growing another plant with our with our cash crop. And there has been a theory I've heard, and uh, that there's there's this concept called moisture sharing or something, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's also a part of just the diversity of species and everything, but. It's uh, it's just something interesting that we'd like to figure out eventually, so we can better manage it. Yeah, and I, I think that you've always got <clears throat> more potential to be successful doing some things that we think we can't be can't do. Uh, if you've been in a, I'll, I'll call it a mature system, so you've been in no-till cover crops, whatever for, you know. I'll just use five years, but we got the soil biology churning. Uh, that I think could be a, a game changer. But I, agree. I go back and I, and I'll see if I can find that that picture of, of where they planted it at V2, and it was with the broadcast spin spreader. I'll show it later too. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, it, it did not look <clears throat> did not look good. So I mean, you can tell well, the corn was being yeah, I'll just I'll just say I think you hit on something very key there, Dan, and I think it also 
knowing what Lauren's doing and, and some of us, when you're down the road uh, a few years or 10 years or even 20 years, the rules of the game change the longer it's being yeah. played. And, and you can do so much more once you get into a biological type, more of a biological soil. So I'll just leave it that, Dan. Why don't you continue on, and then we might, yeah. we'll have time for some questions at the end. Sure. Okay. Well, this is how I got started. Uh, pretty, pretty cheap equipment. Uh, it didn't cost me too much at all. But, <clears throat> I mean, it was, you know, a few growers and just, you know, again, they thought it was crazy, but they were willing to try it. And so we just did a very small area just to see how it worked out. And, uh, well, obviously it worked out. So that's why we're here today. So it's, uh, this is the, the cedar that they were using in Quebec. Uh, so they, <clears throat> they get V4 to V7. Uh, I got twin spreaders, so they were they were good spread annual ryegrass, uh, and that's mainly what they were using up there is annual ryegrass uh, at that time at least. They may have changed. So it's uh, as you can see the picture. It was 2013 when I was up there the first time, and uh, but that work was working very well for them. Uh, this over here is the rotary hoe that uh, I wanted to do plot work with, and it was uh, basically pulled that out of the fence row, uh, cleaned it up, put on a Gandhi linear cedar. Um, the theory was that the rotary hoes would give uh, just a little bit of soil disturbance, uh, help improve seed to soil contact. In the two years that we've used it, I don't think that the, they did any good. Uh, we had good moisture in both years, and it just it just wasn't. <clears throat> we didn't need it. It wouldn't have done it. And also, it's I think if it was dry and the ground was hard, I don't think it, I don't think it would. Uh, kick up much dirt. This is the side dress rig with the air seeder mounted on it. Um, variations of this, I think, are the most common that are, that are out there. You can combine trips. <clears throat> we know what's one of the big issues of getting covers planted is farmers are too busy, they don't have time. Well, so this is <clears throat> one way that you can you can combine things, and uh, the timing of side dressing at V4 to V7, that works out very well. Uh, so senior cover crops at that time. Um, this is uh, BZ Manufacturing, Jim Hershey in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Uh, again, added a, uh, <coughs> these are, if you look here, these are actually two press wheels. So they're, they're, uh, it's, it's a little bit like a drill. Uh, double disc opener is, is just slicing, and then the press wheel pushes. pushes. Uh, it's good to see the soil contact. Uh, Penn State uh, developed an interseeder. It, actually, they can side dress 
uh, spray herbicide in seed to cover crop. And it was, last year I know it was only available in four row and six row, and, and in this part of the world, you know, <clears throat> that's not going to work for most of our growers, but I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, what the growers want. Uh, but again, it gives you that good seed to soil contact, so on, you're, you're going to get a better stand if it's uh, with that better seed to soil contact uh, in drier conditions. So it's, but it's also more equipment. So it's just you know in your soils what what's going to work best for you. Uh, this is a Don prototype, uh, high clearance. It could go into a little bit taller corn. Um, again, two rows. Uh, and this one's just, again, side dressing and uh, seeding cover crops at the same time. Um, this is one of the farmers I work with quite a bit. Uh, he took his Miller Nitro, and he put an aluminum boom on and two smaller seed hoppers so he can he can go from spraying herbicides to seeding cover crops in about 15 minutes. Uh, the only one of that kind that I'm, I'm aware of around. So it uh, gives them a lot of versatility. But this is what we're looking at. This is, uh, uh, again, from Jim Hershey's farm, uh, what it looks like you know, uh, early on in the season. And then, then later on, it fills in very well. So again, this is you know not too impressive early on, and uh, even later on, it's 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 there. And we know the corn's dried down, so it's getting more sunlight, and it's uh, off to a good start. But we also had this. This is where we lost the stand. Uh, high population corn. Corn was eight feet tall. Um, one of the concerns that I have is even if we have the right herbicides, if we've got a compacted layer, and again, this typically won't happen, but it, it, in a mature system, but it's it's. Uh, I got looking into this when we had some failures with aerial seeding, and it was like there was enough moisture to get it started. And there's a question of, did you know, herbicide was leached down a little bit in the soil, hit that compacted layer, and it just stopped. And then when the roots got down to that, that layer, it took up the herbicide. So again, this is just more testing that we, we need to do. I would encourage anybody that's doing interseeding, you know, to do strip trials. Uh, you know, you may be looking at a, a two to three bushel yield bump the year you interseed. I've seen as much as 15 bushel with hairy vetch in a mature system. But many times those, those yields, if, if you do, a, a, comparing one field or even take a field and split in half, it, there's too much noise. It, it's, there may be other factors. Uh, that affect any yield difference. So strip trials, I think, are the only way to 
to really learn. Um, for example, we're going to do some additional testing here, you know, plant 30,000, 32, 34, 36, and maybe with different leaf architecture. Um, gets complicated real quick, but those are the, the questions that we need need some answers. So I say this is pretty experimental, but in some cases, you know, what I described before, northern Corn Belt uh, population less than 33,000, uh, I think it's going to work, uh, going to work very well. So this is, again, just uh, west of Chicago. Uh, what it looked like. Uh, it went five weeks without rain in July and August, uh, but it still worked out very well. And so again, great potential for the northern Corn Belt. Um, I, I guess, you know, when I threw out that I-80, I-70, further south, it was just a question with the, you don't have that extra length of days, you have more heat, uh, may have more um, dry periods in the summer that that can cause issues, and it's. But you know, I've been I've been concentrating where I thought it would work, and uh, haven't gone down to try it. I need to do that this year uh, on some areas where we think it won't work, and see if we can be surprised. So again, that was it. It's uh, again a little, little uh, uh, advertisement for my firm. I uh, do a lot of work with uh, basically cover crops, no-till, soil health is kind of uh, areas that I'm I'm focusing on. So with that, Steve, I think we got time for some questions. Yeah, thank you. Uh, anyone wants to ask a question, you can unmute yourself um, <clears throat> there and 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 speak up. I will just say. As in the context of being uh, more in the south, and I know we have Mark from Georgia and and uh, uh, from uh, Oklahoma here on this call, um, one of the things you could say is that the opportunity to plant a cover crop uh, tends to be, or, well, it is a bigger opportunity um, to because you have more more warmer weather in the fall. That being said, with various rotations and so forth. Um, this interceding may have indeed a, a a fit for the South. So, but yeah. Anyone have any questions? Well, I'll throw throw one out. I've had folks ask me with uh, <clears throat> we have a number of guys that are in thirty inch rows now with their soybeans, and I've I've discouraged doing it in soybeans, but I I just, you know, I think it, it, it's covers going to get shade until the, until the, until the uh, canopy closes, uh, but then after that, it, it doesn't get any light, and anyway, that was my rationale, but I'm, I'm, again, that's one we need to try just, just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dan, this is uh, Conrad Martin. Um, just had a question about um, after these cover crops, after the corn is harvested, 
um, do you see a difference in the vigor of those cover crops? Like, has that dormancy period caused them to then be less aggressive um, later in the fall, or do they have pretty similar, um, you know, uh, energy I, to grow and, and biomass as I, something that would have been planted right behind the the, the corn harvester? I haven't seen any difference at all. Um, it's uh, I'll add that to the list to look a little closer, but it's I I sure haven't seen anything. And we we had a, a healthier cover crop just post harvest, uh, look good going into the fall, and for ones that are on the bubble of winter kill. Uh, Having that additional growth sure seemed to, to help it make it through the winter. But again, we haven't done it in that many winters, and, and uh, uh, so that's that's again one of the questions I think that we we need to ask. But no, I didn't I didn't see any setback. Uh, Steve, okay. have you? Yeah, I made it. I just want to make a quick comment uh, uh, here. We did, I believe, eleven comparisons. Um, uh, side by sides with different corn maturities and interseeding, and we compared what was interseeded versus what was planted immediately after harvest. And this was uh, from 83-day corn to 116-day corn. And without having the facts and figures here, typically your interseeded corn, as we probably all know, looks pretty lethargic and ratty during you know August and September and it starts perking up by harvest but as soon as you harvest and the sunlight's there it very quickly seems to get back to what I would call normal now I don't know I don't recall that we took biomass data we might have I'm not sure I could go back and look that was two years ago I believe uh, but that's yeah that's a good question um, yeah, I saw, uh, Lauren, you were on muted there. I didn't know if you had a question. Uh, go ahead and, and if you do, or comment, um, go for it. I was just going to say, it's our only option other than cereal rye to get some diversity. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, chances are it's going to be froze up within two to three weeks after harvest around here. So mm -hmm. when, when you talk all that, it, you know, if you're going to try to get some diversity, interseed is the only option here. And I think that's why and, it's nice that it's working in the northern climates because that's a very, very real uh, factor. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> part of it is to give an option. You know, I've seen it. Well, we like to see cereal around here planted uh, within the first week of November, but I've seen guys put it out there in December. I mean, it was almost a frost CD, uh, practically. And uh, so, again, it just it, it gives you that opportunity for diversity. And uh, the, the warm season covers are one that I, I'm really, I, I, I'm really keen on seeing how, if those are, uh, if they do have a fit. And I, Lauren, have you tried any warm season covers um, in in an interseeding situation? I'll just mention I did some sun hemp, um, and it was it was kind of interesting. But 
you know, it kills in right away after the season, but um, just curious, Lauren, if you've tried any warm season. We're going to be trying some from Texas this year, but uh, last year we had Facelia. We had, uh, I'm drawing a blank here, we had up to 15, 16 different ones out there, and uh, most of them came on good, but the shade, shade took them down, but I, I still think we got benefit. You know, even buckwheat, we were getting benefit just from the the buds, attracting hmm. benefit. You know, we, we we had temperature data this year that showed uh, with the interseed we were actually warmer in the spring than tilled dirt, and uh, as soon as we hit canopy, we actually went cooler, and then as soon as we broke canopy on the corn, we went back warmer again. But my my biggest concern with this one seed I'm going to try now is the the germination is 75 degrees and last year we never got above 75 degrees soil temperature. Hmm. Yeah, so I know you're going to try a lot more of this whole temperature thing in different aspects. That'll be curious to see how that all works out. Yeah, we 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 expanded our we've seen enough this year we expanded our we doubled the temperature probes and all that and now like you seen the pictures the other day, we had a video. We're having video monitoring and all that to it. So, any questions from Mark from Georgia? You have to unmute yourself to get back on. You can do it if you want to if you're there. Or Alberta, guys, have any comments? Any other questions from anybody else? Well, I'll tell you, I really um, uh, appreciate uh, taking you guys taking time today. I feel like even in our discussion here, there's some helpful things. I know I was taking some notes myself because I'm actually speaking on interseeding next week uh, in New York State. So, uh, Dan, I'll probably take some of your uh, notes here and, and use them. And, and I would just sure. mention that next week is – Instead of our normal Tuesday, it's going to be Wednesday because of that meeting. So Wednesday at 11 a.m., we'll be talking about how to control annual ryegrass. So something that if you have annual ryegrass out there, you want to be thinking about that before the day arrives that you need to do it if you haven't had a lot of experience before. So uh, thank so you, Dan. Doing who's, who's doing that one, Steve? Well, Steve Groff is uh, doing that, but it would be great for Dan Towery to be on the call because uh, I know he has a lot of experience with that. So hope you can join us next week, Dan. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll look at the calendar. <laughs> That's right. Well, it'll be next Wednesday. So, And thank you, Dan. Yep. Uh, Dan right. has done a tremendous amount of uh, work in promoting cover crops, and uh, so I appreciate all you're doing in that, and you took time to do this today. So. I thank you all, and uh, until next week, um, we'll see you later. Okay.